keeping you from coming to Christ. Maybe it's a favorite sin, one you keep repeating over and over that you just love and and you hang on to. You know it's wrong, but you just can't seem to let go of it. Maybe it's an addiction, some form of chemical or substance addiction, or maybe it's to immoral addiction such as pornography. Maybe it's some selfish ambition that you keep, you keep hanging on to. You say, well, I can't do this if I give my life to Christ. Maybe it's some worldly pleasure that you're engaging in that you think that you cannot have uh, that kind of fun if you come to Christ. Perhaps it's your earthly possessions. You're afraid of what God might ask you to give or to give up if you follow him. Or it could be your very family. Or your friends, it's hindering you from taking that step of faith in Jesus Christ. But whatever it is, it's got you. The devil is using that to keep you bound in your iniquity and in your sin. So you see, these donkeys were tied. And they represent all sinners who are still bound in their sin. But notice in Luke 19, verse 30, not only were these donkeys tied but they were wild and stubborn. Look at Luke 19.30 says, Jesus said this about them, that they on which no one has ever sat. So these donkeys had never been ridden. They were wild and stubborn. Now we know donkeys by nature are stubborn. They're not going to do anything they don't want to do. You're not going to make them do something they don't want to do. If you've ever had any uh, dealings with a donkey or even a mule, sometimes they'll just sit on their haunches and you can't get them up with a come along. They are wild and stubborn. All of us are born like these donkeys. Not only are we uh, bound in iniquity, but we're wild and unbroken. Romans eleven twenty four refers to us as being wild by nature. Just like an unbroken donkey, we're born with a wild and stubborn nature that wants to go our own way. We used last week Isaiah 53, 6. Fits well here again this morning. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. The Gospel of Mark. Mark tells about the man possessed by many demons. And he makes this comment about that man. Neither could anyone tame him. Listen. If you're bound by iniquity and wild because of your sinful nature, you can't break yourself. You can't tame yourself. You can't overcome your sin on your own. But I want you to notice what happened in Matthew chapter 21, verse 2. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her, but loose them and bring them to me. Notice he didn't say loose them and let them go. They just loosed them and let them go, then then the donkeys would wander off and be lost, still lost, or they would be brought into bondage again by someone or something else. You see, if you try to tame yourself and, and tame your own wild nature, you may break this habit, this addiction, this problem, but if you don't come to Christ, you're only going to get addicted to and have some other problem later down the road. He said, loose them and bring them to me. What you need is to come to Jesus Christ. Not just to be freed from your sin, but come to Christ. He asked 
that these donkeys be brought to him. That's what's happening this morning. Jesus is inviting you to come to him. He can loose you from your sin. He can give your life a whole new purpose and meaning. But you have to be willing and submissive. You see, as, as sinners, we're like donkeys. We're, we're bound to sin. We're wild by nature. But we can be tamed. But we have to be willing and submit. It says in Matthew 21, 7, They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set Jesus on them. Have you ever tried to mount and ride an unbroken donkey? Over 20 years ago, I read a book about the horse whisperer. This man was unhappy with how horses were being broken in order to be of use to men. He saw how the horses were violently abused for days until their spirits were completely broken. He was sure there was a better way. He decided to go to the deserts of the southwest United States and study wild mustangs. And he spent four years living in the desert following and studying the wild mustangs. He observed their habits, their communications, the organization of the herd, and the discipline within the herd. After four years of comprehensive study, he developed a method of taming wild horses, which he called starting a horse instead of breaking a horse. His concept was that you didn't want to break a horse's spirit. You wanted to teach the horse how to surrender his will to you. Basically, his method taught the horse how to want to obey you. We had the privilege of seeing this method at work firsthand. A man by the name of Paul Day from Louisiana had studied with the horse whisperer and started practicing his method of starting horses. Our church invited him to demonstrate his technique to us, and we rented a corral, and we provided him with a two-year-old colt that had never been ridden for this demonstration. He told us that within two hours, he would have that colt saddled, bridled, and riding him around the arena without a single kick or buck from the animal. And sure enough, two hours later, he had taught that horse how to want to obey him. And he allowed Paul to ride him around the arena like he had been trained for many, many years. Paul Day was also a believer. And while he was starting this horse and demonstrating this method, he also spoke of our wild and unbroken nature, which we must surrender to Christ. The Bible says in Psalm 32 in verse 8 and 9, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. You see, these donkeys in Matthew chapter 21 were only of use to Jesus when they were freed from bondage and submitted to Christ. Will you allow Christ to free you from your sin? Will you allow him to tame your wild and unbroken nature? Will you submit to him? You see, as long as you remain wild and stubborn, you will miss the meaningful life for which you were created. 
What we read in Matthew 21.5 is that this, these donkeys fulfilled prophecy, which means that these donkeys were born for one reason, to carry Christ into his triumphal entry in Jerusalem. Do you know why you were born? Our greatest triumph in this life will have been have, to have fulfilled Christ's purpose for our existence. But we cannot do that if we remain in our stubborn sinfulness. We must surrender and submit to Jesus Christ. Donkeys. Let's talk about clothes and branches. Verse 8 of Matthew 21 says, A great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So what we see here is two things. First of all, we see a, a uh, crowd perhaps waving them in anticipation of the coming Messiah King. The tradition of palm branches on Palm Sunday originates with the Jewish festival of Sukkot, or the Festival of Tabernacles, also called the Festival of Booths. It was one of the, the most popular holidays among the Jews. In the observance of Sukkot, worshipers passed through Jerusalem and the temple, and they would wave palm branches or leafy branches. Here's the scripture. Here's what God instructed them to do in Leviticus 23. Take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees. Branches of palm trees and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So as they waved these branches in that procession, the worshipers recited the words of Psalm 118, which said, Save us or Hosanna. Hosanna or save us, we beseech you, O Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Interestingly enough, only the Gospel of John specifies at this triumphal entry of Christ did they use palm branches. And as Jesus himself revealed his future glory to John in Revelation, here's what he writes in Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, at the triumphal entry, Christ was celebrated as the one who would bring his people out of captivity and the slavery of sin. They were worshiping in anticipation of the Messiah's arrival and his deliverance. So we wave those palm branches in essence now. We're in anticipation of Christ's return. Instead of waving them, though in this passage, the scriptures and the gospels, all four record that they didn't wave them. It says they laid them down. Now, why, when God told them in the Old Testament to wave them, were they now laying them down? That's the question I asked. Well, if waving them was in anticipation of Christ's coming, the laying them down was the fulfillment. In other words, they were saying, our Messiah has come. The spreading of the garments out for someone to walk on was a show of honor. 
It was an act of submission paid to a king. We see this in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13, when Jehu was welcomed as king. It says, Then in haste every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. And as the disciples and other followers of Jesus laid down their garments in front of the donkey on which Christ rode, they were proclaiming that their king had arrived. They were showing him the honor of not just a king, but the king of all kings. This was an act that demonstrated that they believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of their hopes of the Messiah and the king. He had arrived. The same is true in their laying down the palm branches. Instead of waving them in anticipation, they laid them down as a sign that their anticipation had ended and their hopes had been fulfilled. For their king had arrived. Anticipation ended with the arrival of Jesus Christ, the Messiah King. We too will take place in this kind of worship When we see Jesus, this week I asked you to put palm branches or some leafy branch out outside of your homes, maybe on your mailbox or or your gate or your porch or your window or somewhere. And and many of you participated in that. And what I asked us to do, that the reason I asked us to do that was to show or to demonstrate to the world, to our families, to ourselves and to God, Lord, we're recognizing Jesus Christ as our King who has come and who died on the cross, who shed His blood, who rose again, ascended to be with God. But guess what? He's also coming back. And the same triumphal entry He took the first time, if you go back and watch the devotion I shared with you Wednesday night on Facebook or YouTube, you'll see from the Scriptures that He's coming back to do the same exact procession. When He returns, not in the rapture, but in His second coming to earth, He will touch the Mount of Olives and He will make His procession. The Bible says, not on a donkey this time, but on a white horse. And He will make that same procession through the eastern gate into the temple from the Mount of Olives. That will be another and final grand triumphal entry of Christ. So our waving of the palm branches, our putting them up this week, was a demonstration to a watching world and to us ourselves that Christ has come. He has come. He has come. It's been fulfilled, but it's also an anticipation that he's coming back again. And we will join him on that second triumphal entry and this time we may, we may or uh, there will be some who will be waving palm branches, but, but it also says in Revelation we'll be riding with him on white horses. So it could be that we're on a white horse and waving palm branches. I don't know how it's going to work, but we see that in Scripture. In fact, when Christ comes back and we see him face to face, we're going to lay down our palm branches. And we're going to lay down our garments at his feet. Where is that in Scripture? Well, I think it's definitely alluded to. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, it says, The 24 elders fall down before him. Now, who are the 24 elders? Well, remember, Revelation is a book of symbols. A lot of them we can take plainly, but many of them we have to take figuratively. I believe the 24 elders is a, taken in a figurative sense to represent all the believers of every age, the Old Testament age as well as the New Testament That is, the 12 um, sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes 
of Israel, 12 in the Old Testament, and the 12 apostles or the 12 disciples in the New Testament. You put them together, you've got the 24 elders, the 24 founders, if you would, of the Judeo-Christian faith. And they represent all of the saved of the earth. And it says, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. We cast our crowns. By the way, the word for crown there is stephanos, which by the way means a, to twine or to wreathe like a wreath. And it was referred to as a badge of royalty and a prize in the public games. In the Olympic tradition, you know that the first awards or rewards for the Olympic athletes who won a race was a wreath that they would make out of palm or any other kind of leafy branch that they would put around the head of the victor. And so this is what is referred to in the word Stephanos or the word crown. So this palm branch that we will be crowned with, it says when we see Jesus Christ, we will cast our crowns at his feet. There's coming another Palm Sunday, if you would, when we get to participate and we get to lay down that which is significant to us as an honor and recognition of what Christ has done for us. Clothes and branches, donkeys. What about rocks? Well, in Luke chapter 19, in verse 37 and 40, it says, as Jesus was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep quiet, or if these should keep silent, the stones, the rocks would immediately cry out. In this part of the account of Palm Sunday, we see two things happening. We see the silent. We see the Pharisees who are rebuking Jesus for allowing his disciples to say these things. Why were they so upset? Why were the disciples so upset that, the, that I mean, the Pharisees so upset that, that the disciples were saying this? We have to remember what they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That was a prophecy. And these disciples and followers of Jesus were attaching that prophecy to Jesus. They were saying, this man who's riding on this donkey is the fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the Messiah. He is the king of the Jews. The Pharisees could not stand that. They hated that. And so they said, teacher, silence your disciples. The first, perhaps, Christian persecution. And I want to say a word to us as the church of Jesus Christ. We live in a day and an age where that is happening. 
It is happening in other countries right now that maybe you know very little of. But Christians are, are having to uh, worship in, 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 in secret. They can't publicly do what the disciples were doing here because their governments have told them to be silent. They have rebuked them. And you think it's not coming to America, but it is coming to America. Persecution is, is going to happen. The Bible says it. Jesus said it. That all those who desire to live righteous in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. If you're desiring to follow Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. And what we're going through now is not persecution. It's just difficult. It's hardship. And we're not being told to be silent. We're not being told we can't gather. We're just exercising caution. And we're trying to do everything we can in the spirit of love to protect God's people in this community. But there's coming a day when we may be told here in our own nation, silent, you cannot speak. And it's already happening. We're, we, we're told we cannot say certain things are sin because it might offend certain groups of people. We're being rebuked. And that's what we see here in the rocks. But I want to show you something else. There's not only silence that's taking place, there's celebration. They're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Look at verse 37. It says, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. And they were praising God and lifting up their voices. That's why it's necessary for us as God's people to continue to worship, to continue to gather in settings like this so we can lift up our voice. That's another reason I wanted us to put those palm branches out there is to lift up our voice, let our voice be heard, let it be seen. Jesus Christ is King of kings. And we believe it and we stand for it no matter what is happening in our culture. And Jesus said... If these were to be silent, the rocks would immediately cry out. You know what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees? He's saying, your heart is harder than those rocks. And you know, when we refuse to lift up our praise and, and rejoice in God, no matter what we're going through, listen, this ain't fun. This is not fun, this COVID-19. It's not fun. But listen, we cannot stop rejoicing and praising God for all the mighty works they had seen. What have you seen God do in your life? Don't forget all that God has done in your life. Don't forget how he saved you from your sin. Don't forget how he's provided food on your table, a roof on your head, clothes on your backs. Don't forget how he has raised you up from sickness. Don't forget those things. Rejoice. Don't let the rocks beat you out of praising Jesus Christ. Don't let your heart be hard through these difficulties. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your voice and celebrate what God has done for us, most especially through his son, Jesus Christ. Christians today should not let the rocks have to cry out. No matter what we're going through, we have much to rejoice over. We have much to praise God for, all the mighty works that he has done. Donkeys, clothes, and branches, and rocks. It's not just people we can learn lessons from. It's things like donkeys, clothes, branches, and rocks. This morning, 
Are you one of those people who are still in your sin, bound, tied? Are you still holding on to your stubbornness, your wild way of living? Isn't it time today that you submit, that you surrender to Jesus Christ? Haven't you reaped enough heartache? Haven't you reaped enough evil that you're ready? Hasn't Jesus taught you enough? Hasn't he done enough? As Brian's family saying, the cross was enough. He's done enough for you to be saved. He's waiting for you to surrender. Doesn't matter how far you are from God. Doesn't matter how long you've been away from God. Doesn't matter how many sins have piled up in the, in, during that time. If you'll just bring them with you. Can't leave them behind. Bring them with you. Why do I say bring them with you? Because only Christ can carry them. I didn't finish Isaiah 53, 6 last week or this week. Here's the rest of it. It says, all we like sheep, all we like donkeys have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God took all of your sin, all of my sin, and put it on his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Don't try to hide your sin. Don't try to cover it up from God. You've got to bring it with you. You've got to own it. You've got to say, God, here it is. Here's all the filth and mess and iniquity and wickedness and evil in my life. I'm giving it to you because you already put it on your son, Jesus Christ, and he removes it from you. You give it to him. He cleanses. He takes it from you. He cleanses your life from all of that sin. He, uh, he washes you with the blood of Jesus Christ. He saves your soul. He writes your name in the Lamb's book of life, and he saves you once and for all and forever. But you have to, you have to come in order to be loosed, and he looses you to come to him. And when you do, you will be willing to lay down everything. You won't hold on to those earthly pleasures, those worldly pursuits, those selfish ambitions, those favorite sins, you'll be ready to cast them at his feet. They don't mean anything. You see, when you meet the king of kings, you're willing to take off the best of the best. You're willing to take off the best of your best and just cast it at his feet because it means nothing compared to what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's done. You'll lay it down. And then you won't be able to contain your joy. You see what the life you're living now it's not joyful. It's not happy. You're miserable, and you know it. You just don't want to admit it. It's time today to admit how miserable you are. But when you come to Christ, you won't be able to contain the joy. I've never met a single Christian who said, I regret becoming a Christian. But I've met many Christians who said, I regret not becoming a Christian sooner. If you put off this decision today, first of all, you may not have another opportunity. This could be your last opportunity. If you put off this decision today, you'll have one more day of sin and iniquity to repent of. One more day of sin and evil to, to flood your heart with guilt and shame. 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if you come to him today, you won't regret it. Your heart will be flooded with joy and praise. You won't be able to contain it. You will not let the rocks beat you in praise. Will you give your life to Jesus Christ today? Will you bow your head with me this morning and invite Jesus Christ, the King of kings, to be your king, to reign over your life? You say, Brother Lee, how do I do that? It's very simple. I've explained it already this morning. You bring your sin to Christ. You confess your sin. The Bible says whoever confesses sin, their sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Then you believe. Believe with all your heart that Christ died on the cross. It was for you. It was your sin. You put him there. I put him there. And then you ask him to save you and you commit and surrender your life to him. One of the ways you do that is through prayer. It's through our mouth. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God's raised Jesus from the dead. We will be saved. And he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this morning I can help you by calling on the name of the Lord. I can loan you some words, but I can't loan you the intent of my heart. It has to be your heart. Would you be willing to pray with me this morning? Pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. And I'm bringing all of my guilt and all this baggage in my life, the iniquity that I've been bound to, And I'm giving it to you because you already paid for it. And I believe that when you died on the cross and when you shed your blood, it was for my sin. It was for me. And I believe you rose again. And you're alive today. Therefore, I'm asking you, to be my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I want you to be my king forever. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. Thank you that I will be with you forever. Please help me to live a joyful, meaningful life that represents you in this world. Dear friends, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart,